This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Payer Issues Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Elizabeth Mitchell, President and CEO of Purchaser Business Group on Health, a California-based member coalition of large employers, including Walmart, Boeing, Microsoft, Disney, and Salesforce. Elizabeth, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. Glad to be here. Now, I know we'll talk a lot about some of the big trends in healthcare and how large employers are approaching value-based care today, but before we dive into our discussion, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. I have been in healthcare for over 25 years. I have come at it from sort of all angles. I have worked in a large health system. I've been a health plan executive. I've been in elected office and um, led the health committee. <laughs> so I've, I've looked at healthcare from all sides. I am really happy to be working with employers and purchasers who really are the customers of the healthcare system. And um, our members spend about $100 billion a year on healthcare for 15 million Americans. So they are really invested in getting it right, and they are looking for, frankly, a better healthcare system. Absolutely. That makes a ton of sense. And I can imagine, you know, with staffing and the workforce being such a um, huge part of where any organization is spending and expenses and making sure that they've got a, a great um, ability to provide health care for their employees. I can imagine this is a huge um, area of focus today for most of these organizations. Absolutely. I, our members spend a lot on health care and they offer rich benefits to attract and retain talent and to keep their workforce healthy. And that has been just made exponentially more difficult in a pandemic. And many of our members had to make significant changes over the last year and a half. A lot of them faced significant layoffs when parts of their businesses had to close. And really rethinking work and rethinking health and health care on behalf of their employees has been um, an enormous challenge, but they remain as committed as ever to not only protecting their employee health and well-being, but public health. And we're seeing really tremendous leadership from a lot of large employers who know that it's going to take a public-private partnership to really just get us past this pandemic. And um, they are on the front lines of this every day. Absolutely. Now, from your vantage point, what are the top three trends or so that you're following right now in healthcare today? Well, obviously, first and foremost, it's the pandemic. We have to get it under control. We've got to get people vaccinated so that, you know, our workforces can be safe and and return to work. So that's just sort of front and center for everybody. And I think you're going to see more and more employers mandate vaccines. Uh, 13 of our members have already done so. Um, that That's just going to be something we're going to really be hearing a lot about moving forward because we have got to protect um, the workforce. We, uh, you know, on a regular basis, help our members identify the best quality care. And to our members' credit, they are focused on the quality of the health care that they are buying. It is very hard to get adequate quality information. So transparency of that information is, you know, closely related. But when you talk to 
businesses like Walmart, they know because we have done a lot of work together that better care actually costs less. And you're going to save on your total cost if you get better care. So focusing on quality and the transparency of that quality information is another really key area of work for us. And then the other, there's so many to choose from, but our members are deeply, deeply concerned about mental health um, across sectors, across, you know, tech, retail, manufacturing. There is a mental health crisis in this country. It is made worse by the pandemic, but it is, um, it, there is not a functioning mental health system in this country and they are desperate for solutions. So we're working very closely with them on that. One of their priorities is to get mental health integrated into primary care. And we are focused a lot on how do we pay more and differently for primary care with integrated behavioral health, because we know that's what people need. So that's a, a relatively short list of our priorities. And I, I will tell you, there is just an urgency and a commitment from our members to get these right. That's so interesting to hear. And I'm particularly interested in the last point you made in terms of integrating that um, the mental health care into primary care and just having that as part of a really normal care cycle for patients. Are there any interesting or innovative ideas that have emerged from some of those efforts? Uh, yes. And when you think about it, mental health care is primary care. And so many chronic conditions or even acute conditions are exacerbated or, you know, sometimes are even caused by mental health problems. And again, it, there is no good answer out there right now for how to get good access to good mental health care. So over the last nine months, we have been working directly with our members, both public and private, to really come up with new standards for primary care that they want to see. And it includes paying for behavioral health teams embedded in the primary care practice and ensuring access to mental health services, integrating that. And you know, as a, as a basic requirement, doing screenings like depression screenings, these things are simply not happening. They're not you know, new ideas. But one of the things that we have learned over the last year when we are looking at the data from our members' plans is that they're just not happening. So our members have taken it upon themselves to identify what they want to see in terms of payment and value-based arrangements. And actually, in September, we will be rolling those out to health plan partners. And again, they are simply saying there has to be change. We've talked about this for years and the market has to move. Absolutely, that's that's fascinating to hear and, and great to know that on the large employer side at the very least, driving that change is, is a top priority. Now, I'm also interested in the aspects of value-based care you've talked about, whether it's looking at, you know, um, paying for quality care, which actually then ends up costing less once you do have the right quality margins, and then thinking about, you know, what really creates value within the healthcare system. How are large employers approaching that value-based care idea today? Well, they spent about 10 years thinking their health plans were doing it, and it turns out they weren't. So there is significant disillusion and frustration 
that the health plans are leading these value-based care arrangements. It's gotten a ton of lip service. It's gotten a ton of PowerPoint slides. But when you look at the actual payment arrangements, it is still retrospective fee-for-service. And the quality measures they're using are weak at best. They are the same old, same old claims-based HEDIS measures that aren't reflective of quality. So when our members came to us and said, help us create a meaningful centers of excellence network, centers of excellence that are actually excellent, we did that. And we used measures that we know actually matter to physicians and to patients. Like, are you pain-free? Can you resume your activities of daily living? And we found willing providers ready to meet those standards and partner directly with employers. And our members are looking to do more of that because they know it can be done. We have a track record and we know it makes a difference, not just in the quality and outcomes, but also in the experience of care for their employees, which they, they really care about. And we can give better experience and better quality and at the same time, save, spend, save money. So it really is the win-win-win that they have been rightly expecting, but haven't gotten. So more and more of our members are looking to go direct to make sure they get that. Interesting. Yeah, that, that's really great to hear. And um, from the perspective of, you know, the health systems and um, other networks of healthcare providers, whether it's primary care or outpatient services and outpatient surgery, what are these organizations really looking for? Um, and, you know, how willing are they to actually create these contracts to, um, you know, go direct to those types of organizations and, and make it work? Well, about 20% of our members already have direct arrangements, so it's not new, but I will say I am hearing more and more readiness to do it from more members. And we have, you know, a tech company who just piloted a direct maternity bundle with a health system that we helped enable. And they are asking us to help them identify who are the highest quality providers. So... I can't give numbers, but I will tell you the interest is there because frankly, it just hasn't happened. And there, there was every opportunity for the health plans to create these high value networks. Um, but for whatever reason, it hasn't happened and employers are simply done waiting. Absolutely. That, that makes a ton of sense. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, I have one more question. How are you thinking about growth for the Purchaser Business Group on health? Um, what really does the next 12 to 24 months look like? We are really excited about all that's next. Um, we just have great momentum on new services for our members. One example that has just gotten huge traction is the the vendor showcases we have created. So as you can imagine, our members are bombarded with pitches for new startups, new digital health services, you know, every single day. And they can't vet them. So they have asked CBGH to do that on their behalf. And we have been holding showcases. So one topic was adolescent mental health. Who are the new vendors out there? How good are they? What are their clinical outcomes? Another was MSK. So whatever they are trying to evaluate in terms of their 
new healthcare strategies, they are enlisting us so that we can apply a quality lens, do a meaningful clinical evaluation. And 81% of our members said that they are using the results of those showcases in their buying decisions. So that's just one example that we have started over the last 18 months that has enormous sort of growth potential. You know, first and foremost, we want to continue to grow our membership. We just got a new member, the Washington um, Health Benefits Exchange. So we have public purchasers as well as private companies. And we, we know we need that multi-payer alignment to make change. So we've got new initiatives. We've got uh, new, new products and services and new members. So we are very optimistic about significant growth over the next 12 months. Well, Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really insightful discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Great. We look forward to it. Thanks so much. Bye.